Deuteronomy 10. I'm going to be a little loud. Moses uh, knows his time is near. It's time for Israel to give that whole promised land situation another go. And he knows that this time he's not invited to the party. It's time for Moses' last words. And, he, and our Moses has quite a lot of things to say this time around. That is in part what Deuteronomy is. Deuteronomy is a series of speeches from Moses where he's calling the next generation of Israel to be faithful to the covenant with their God before entering the promised land. The old generation has died, and now it's time for this new generation to do the fighting, to take what God promised them. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the greatest pep talk of their lives. So Moses slowly walks up to the locker room and says, verse 16, Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Not bad. Somewhat, somewhat of a rocky start there. Nothing you cannot bounce back from. He goes again, For the Lord our God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Now, that is better. I can see the crowds getting excited now. He's our God, great God. And, and he continues, verse 18, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you. Give them food and clothing. And people are not like, huh? It's like, I think you're losing them a little bit there. And you are to love those who are foreigners. You yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And I think he's fired as, a, as, a, as the coach of the team. That was bad, Moses. And what kind of pep talk was that? I think it was a wrong speech at the wrong time, man. They're about to get ready to cross the river, step into foreign lands. They're about to do some serious invading and some serious fighting. And what you need to be telling them is how they're the best people in the world. Special people chosen by God. And that the promised land is there for the taking. Like, leave no man alive. He needs to be giving that it's all about us kind of speech. Not foreigners. The, our survival matters. National security. Stranger danger. It, the, and I quote, they are bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they are rapists, and some, I assume, are good people type of speech. I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> I'm absolutely sorry about that. Let's go back to worshiping together. Uh, but no, he's not even talking about charity. He's talking about love. He says you are, you are to love those who are foreigners. Why? For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. What did I say? In Egypt. And I can hear somebody say, like, what did he say? Foreigners in Egypt? Like, oh, Moses is a little senile now. Come. Can you bring him a chair? Come, Moses, come. Come. You sit down. It's okay. Not your fault. Sit down. Uh, it's like he, he doesn't remember we were born in the desert. He, it's just cute, eh? And because, like, as far as I'm concerned, Moses always had a soft spot for foreigners. And if, if there's, there's going to be any talk about foreigners, I think Moses has to be in the room. Because after all, isn't Moses kind of the king of all foreigners? You know what I heard? That on his first week outside the womb, he ended up, he ended up floating on a basket, in a basket in the river. A runaway slave, a runaway slave who couldn't even run a Hail Mary, 
a refugee holding for dear life to the hope of survival. They say he was found by an Egyptian princess and then was grafted into an Egyptian home. The Jewish boy living like an Egyptian. You know, like real talk? Nobody really considered him a true Israelite or an Egyptian for that matter. Apparently, he killed an Egyptian man and cut his welcome stay at Egypt short. So he fled Egypt and spent 40 years in voluntary exile in the land of the Midianites, where he met his famous wife, Zipporah. Moses, the Israelite, Egyptian, Midianite. But if I have to put it in the right order, I would have to say at this point, Joseph, the Midianite, Egyptian, Israelite men. And that is when it happened. That is when Moses was lovingly enticed to go back to Egypt to cause some major, uh, major mayhem for a little while, only to end up here, here of all places, no man's land. Another 40 awful, just awful years where he spent the rest of his life with people he didn't really know. People who didn't really trust him or recognize him as his own. And I mean, after all, Moses didn't spend much time slaving away with them. And that will create a gap no matter what, you know. The fact of the matter is that God chose an outsider to lead Israel out of Egypt. And he knew this. Heck, everybody knew this. And the ironic thing is that now it's finally time to go to a place we can all call home, a home promised by God, but Moses is staying behind. What an anticlimactic end of story. But, you know, maybe home was something different for Moses after all. It is not surprising that it is the Midianite slash Egyptian slash Israelite men that later becomes the one who understands the heart of God for the outsiders, the foreigners, the non-Israelites like us. Even more, the one who understands that one never really stops being a foreigner, a person on a journey, the one can really, one can't really shake that one off. It definitely takes one to know one. Well, that is until that foreigner forgets who he or she is or was, and that's when things start going south. Start going south. A little thing about me. I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I spent more than 15 years working with nonprofits and Christian uh, outreach organizations back in Bolivia. Ministries whose strategy was to bring teams from all over the English-speaking world, mainly the U.S., to preach the gospel in the cities and countrysides, build schools, hospitals, play with the kids, door-to-door evangelism, you name it. They made my gringos work hard. <laughs> it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that I've translated for hundreds of friendly, well-intentioned gringos. And I promise that's going to be the, the last time I use the word gringos. <laughs> Even though I just uh, used the word again, that's the last time, I promise. Who, in the most part, were fantastic people. And I mean it. They were fantastic people. I think it is fair to say that I know my white people. I know my, my gringos. And that was the last time I go and say gringos. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> well, I've grown, up to, uh, I've grown up with them since pre-K. And I cannot remember a time in my life when I didn't either work with or studied with or was friend with an English-speaking Caucasian person. I could have used gringo there, see, and I didn't. <laughs> Now, I promise I was going to be the last time. They were mostly American, yeah, but needless to say, I know and like my white people, or so I thought. 
Because there's an interesting phenomenon that I discovered on my first trip to America. A phenomenon that I guess many of you did not experience or notice before. In summer of 2015, South American summer, by the way, I boarded five planes to get to my final, final destination, uh, Billings, Montana. I don't know if you know where that is or have been there. Yes, Billings, Montana, small town. Uh, on my way there, I noticed two things. One, that the closer we got to Montana, the wider the crowds got, and the more the cowboy hats multiplied. And when I say cowboy hats, I mean cowboy hats inside the plane, where people wore them the, throughout the entire flight. Like they had to, right, the cowboy hat, they're enjoying their flight, just like, wonderful. I'll, I'll let you ponder on that one. The second thing that I noticed is that my American, the American friends that I met and worked with in Bolivia, friends that I really liked and cherished, started to slowly morph into something that I didn't recognize. It happened right in front of my eyes. I, I saw their demeanor change. I, I saw their, their attitudes change, their physical posture change. I didn't know it back then, but they were slowly but surely becoming dun, 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 Americans. Hey, and and they, they weren't even aware of what was happening to them. The way they, they carried themselves changed. The way they, they, the way they spoke to me changed, and I, and I didn't like it. And I'm being honest, I hated it. I was like, bro, what's happening to your face? Like, what's, what's happening to your eyes? Like, to your overall postures? It felt like beyond metamorphosis. It was like demonic possession, like, like Trump just invaded their bodies. It, it, it was... In, as it was happening, it, it, it looked like they just came from Vietnam in a chopper, just like. Welcome back, soldier. Did you enjoy your time with the savage? Enjoy my time with the savage? Savage lives were saved. Principalities was slain. And what's more important, we got the pictures to prove it. Glory be to God. It felt like the, like the eagle just landed, like Air Force freaking one just landed, and the soldiers had, be, had been brought back home from the motherland, or to the motherland. And I can see this happening right in front of my eyes. Uh, I could literally see the smiles, the warm hearts, ready to embrace newness, slowly leave their bodies. I saw their willingness to consciously negate themselves, to put their power and privilege just to serve Bolivian kids, just somewhat evaporate. The truth is that I, that I made two more trips to the U.S. and kept in touch with many of my friends there. Yet I saw the exact same thing happen to most. My friends and co-workers were different people in the U.S. According to the story in Deuteronomy, were the people waiting to cross the Jordan River foreigners in Egypt? No, not them, nor the histo historical audience, which is very likely a 7th seven, seven, uh, century B.C. audience. None of them were born in Egypt, nor were there foreigners in Egypt. Their fathers and mothers were. But God reminds them that they were, that they were foreigners, and that soon they will, foreigners, they will be foreigners again. Why is Moses doing that? I don't know. Is there such a thing as a foreigner heart or a foreigner attitude? Many of you have been abroad. So, so just, just think, how does your attitude and demeanor 
change when you're abroad? What things get activated in you that are somewhat dormant when you're here and perceive or think of yourselves as locals? Just if, if you think for a second, what happens to you when you're in a non-English speaking country? I think your senses are heightened. Your perception is more acute. Your brain opens up. It feels like when you open up the curtains to let more light in, you, you kind of get spidey senses. That activation or state of awakeness or awareness is so powerful that people actually don't realize that it is this precise reason why they travel as much as they do. And this goes beyond the beaches and the food. It's because of this awakeness they experience when they're abroad. The feeling of openness, of newness, and the awareness of themselves. The awareness of themselves. Did you know that I had no, this is true, and it's ridiculous. Did you know I had no idea of how Bolivian I was? I had, I was clueless and I just discovered my Bolivianness when I uh, arrived uh, in Canada. Given my upbringing and the work I did for so many years, I've always felt different in Bolivia. Like, different, but the, the good type of different. Like a Bolivian 2.0 <laughs> with, with the latest firmware. You know, like, good. The, the good type of different. Uh, and by, by the way, that experience that so many he, uh, are, are after can also be overwhelming to others and cause, cause the opposite uh, desire. Just avoid go, going abroad at all costs. They just don't like the feeling. And this, this state that I'm talking about, it's even more powerful where you're not the center of the trip. When you, out of your own volition, decide to leave your, the, your country to go and serve some people that don't look like you and go and serve them on, in, on their home turf, you open up, what you do is you try to open up as far as you can to take in as much as possible just so you're able to see the people of that country. Just as, so you can understand their humor, their approach to cooking, the intricacies of their language. In your intentional willingness to change, adapt, and morph, you're willing to be mutually transformed. You're falling in love. Similarly to falling in love with your partner, Falling in love is what busts the gates open and lets the life of the other person in to change and influence you. So, am I suggesting that we all become scattered seeds, like we like to call them here at Grandview? Leave Vancouver in order to cultivate this uh, foreigner heart that I'm talking about? No, the only thing that we need to do is to, awake to, the, to, to wake up to the fact that we are all already foreigners. In Grandview's parish model, which is, uh, I don't know if, yeah, uh, you know that. I'm trying to see if I see new faces. <laughs> no, Grandview parish model, don't need to explain more. In Grandview's parish model, we're still foreigners. As we love and care for this land, this neighborhood, this community, we're still foreigners. Do you know how the Deuteronomy speeches come to an end? It's with Moses basically saying, having said all of that, like for 30 plus uh, chapters, you will fail, you will not keep God's covenant, and you will end up in exile. You know why? Because of your hard hearts and because of your stiff necks. Moses knew that Israel will end up in exile again and again 
and then again some more. And really, who knows what's going to happen to current, current uh, Israel? And, and I say that because this is not only true of Israel. It is, it is true of all people, people. Ever since our forefathers decided to leave Africa, we have been on the move. Wars, famines, catastrophes, job opportunities, you name it. Because you know what? To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. We don't, as you know, at Grandview, we don't own this place. We are merely stewards. We are and have been foreigners. Some of your families, if you, can, if you know the stories of your families, some of them once had status. Some even had power. Some had money. Some had lots of lands. Some of you still do. But soon, that will change. That is the matter, uh, that is the nature of things, the nature of power, the nature of immigration laws, the nature of wealth. They transfer, they move. Once your family had some, now they don't. When my, when my ancestors decided to leave Africa thousands of years ago, as they were going up north, some of them said to themselves, we like it here. Right here, right? Flat, nice, like right with current Europe and, and Middle East, in the Middle East are. Flat-ish, warm-ish, we like it. We're definitely saying, we refuse to go any further. So the other one said to them, okay, you lazy-ass bums. <laughs> and that is exactly what they said. Don't blame me, I'm just quoting. You can stay here, we're going northeast. And so they did. Once they arrived to the northeastern regions, some of them said, huh, nice, refuse to go any longer, we're staying here. Some of the others said, okay, well, given that we're already up here, I, I wonder what would happen if we start just walking west. And so they did. They walked and kept on walking until they, they arrived to what is currently called Turtle Island, or you want to call it the North American regions. And many stay there. But many said to themselves, hmm, a little cold. I think I liked warmer lands. Why don't we walk south for a bit? And so a group said, we'll walk south. And they started walking and walking and walking till some of them got to the beautiful land of what now is called Paradise on Earth, a.k.a. Cochabamba, <laughs> slash La Paz. And they said to themselves, yep, this is exactly what we've been looking for. So they stayed there. Unbeknownst to them, this is the first time I used the word unbeknownst to them in a conversation. <laughs> the, the other, I don't even know if I'm using it right. So I don't, <laughs> I'm 95% uh, confident about that word. Unbeknownst to them, the other half of my gene pool, my, and I quote, lazy us bum half, that stayed in Europe in the Middle East, decided to jump on a boat and pay my other half a very unwelcome visit. And that is how the moment the whole cosmos had been waiting for, my birth, came to pass. <laughs> but uh, the story doesn't end there, because that, that morocho, that bag of Latino flavor and overall goodness, decided to jump on a flying object and pay y'all a visit. <laughs> and now it has come full circle. We have become, that lazy, we have become the lazy-ass bums who decided to stay here. Yep, we like it here. I think we're staying. Time changes, places change, humans move. 
when journey, kidding, kidding, no, no. Apparently that was the end of the slides, okay. <laughs> Times change, uh, places change, humans move. The earth will, will soon go through a series of pretty uh, drastic changes in the very near future. A population shift, and many will need to move. Some of the most powerful people will get a little extra uh, ambitious like they tend to do and take some land for themselves, and those people will have to move. They just don't know it yet. You've heard it said, uh, change is the only thing that's guaranteed. Was a place called Canada ever in my or my wife's plans? Absolutely not. Vancouver, Canada just happened to us, and now we call this place home. Was a place called Canada ever in your forefathers' plans? I'm going to go out on a limb and assume for most, not. Most of us, if we open up our eyes wide enough, this land, the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, just happened to us, to our forefathers. I think I probably understand why, my, why Moses would tell them, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. I think Moses needs to remind them that that self-perceived hierarchy is not only fake, but it's also a hindrance to real love. And I'm going to say that again. This top-to-bottom self-perception is a hindrance to real love, even when you have the best of intentions. As someone on a journey, someone on the move, we, we are not a citizen of this era in that sense. You are a citizen, citizen of Christ and the era to come. And so, uh, uh, can the band stop playing? <laughs> playing some, kidding. You can go up if you want to, but don't stop playing. And so, when having conversations uh, with others, <laughs> sorry, I just bring, bring me back to my charismatic uh, upbringing. It's like, give me some, some pads. <laughs> you don't understand, boy. <laughs> what is this saying? Okay, and so, when having conversations with others, have them as two fellow people on a journey. You might have started in different places. You might finish in different places. But given that you have currently crossed paths, theologically, philosophically, just help each other on the way. Who knows if, who knows if you'll cross paths again? When you think that you have finally arrived to the theological and biblical promised land, just remember that you might also end up in exile again, and then again, and then again some more. Help the people you encounter, encounter there. Help them as your equals. Don't think of yourselves as the landlord or defender of that theological and biblical oasis. Think of it as God's living, breathing, and ultimately mysterious holy dance floor. You might not be dancing to God's beat very proficiently, but relax and actually take the time to really enjoy it. You might be moving to a different dance floor very soon. So enjoy it, and please don't forget to bring your dancing shoes with you when you leave. When lending a hand to each other, when taking care of each other, do it as two fellow foreigners, two fellow friends on the move, on a journey. Leave your self-perceived hierarchy aside. Don't let it become a hindrance to real love. Do it as fellow children of God, with equal standing before God and before each other. May we put our fleeting and temporal power, wealth, and privilege 
at the service of other fellow foreigners. May the foreigner's heart reawaken in you. May you begin to find people fascinating once again. May you find their stories and ways of understanding the world fascinating once again. May you bend over backwards just so you're able to understand their humor, to somewhat understand why they love pesto while you find it abhorrent yourself, why they find something sinful while you understand it to be a gift from God. As you love your fellow foreigner, may you be mutually transformed in the love and power of Jesus Christ. So, let us circumcise our hearts and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord our God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the mighty God, awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among us, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves are foreigners in Egypt. Now I am going to invite the band up there for real this time. And now we can sing this.